house is the house of God's presence. And the Father's house is the house of the glory of the Lord. And so in beginning the day with regard to you and I being in Christ, that is, being in the Father's house, uh, and we've dealt with that as the house of glory and several things, but I want us to just look, as I said again, concerning the presence of God and the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Now, let me see. Let's look just for a second to give us a basis for this in the Scripture. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. What a wonderful thing it would be if we could just take the time and read chapter 8 and chapter 9 of Hebrews with regard to our great high priest. You know, everything, everything concerning Christ and what he is made unto us. Now, Christ being the eternal Son of God. Christ being the eternal Son of God. And not only that, Christ being that Son who lives in you and I. And it is in that one that we now live with regard to the Father's household. He has brought us into a, a living union. He has, Christ, the Son, has brought us into a living union with the Father because Christ himself is, he is that living union. And in John 14, 20, we have said this before. In that day, and he's talking about the day that he would come and indwell his body. He was talking to the disciples about that. That took place on the day of Pentecost and continues until right now. You will know I am in my, I am in my Father. We could easily say there because, because the, the, the Father's house is not some building aside from the Father or aside from the, from the Son. It is stressing that relationship that the Son had with the Father before the world was. That relationship that He left that He may bring you and I and all those who are born of Him and who are joined by His Spirit unto Him, that He may bring us to 
the father's house and the father's household. And uh, all of that relates to the glory of God, the presence of God, and so forth. The reality of it is that the place to which he has returned, he has as the door, as the way, the truth, the life, he has brought us into that very same relationship. And the Father's house is that, hon. It is a relationship. It is a household. It is a reality of our salvation and our union with Christ. And so in, Rome, or in uh, Hebrews 9, verse 24, Hebrews 9, verse 24, let me just read that. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. As you know, in Hebrews, and particularly there from, oh, I don't know, chapter 8 and 9 and 10, it is focusing upon Christ as our great high priest. And, and, and what I said a while ago, I'll finish now, because everything that Christ has made unto us, He has made unto us our great high priest. He is, He is made unto us uh, the resurrection and the life. He is made unto us King of kings and Lord of lords. And everything that He, the Son of God, who dwells in us, is made unto us, has, has its culmination, has its culmination in what the Father's house really means, what the Father's house is really all about. Not, not a place like a geographical place, even a spiritually geographical place, no, but a union, a union out from which Christ came, back to which he ascended, and then came and brought us to that very same reality in himself. And that's what we're reading right here. For Christ is not entered into the holy places. Talking about the tabernacle and the types and the shadows. Well, let me read it. It says that not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself. Now, not sometime in the... This was written 2,000 years ago to the church, hon, and it's still written to you and I who are in Christ, the church, which is his body. It's written to us concerning our salvation, which is eternal. And it's as real now, certainly as it was when Paul spoke of it here in his letter to the Hebrews. It's the reality that the Spirit of God, who quickens us together, who has raised us together, and seated us together in heaven in Christ Jesus. And that's the thing the Spirit of God would make real to us, cause us to understand 
not only the theology of this thing, but the reality of the actual union we have in our very soul with him who is our high priest, who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who is the eternal everlasting Son of, of God, who is the, the way, the truth, the life, who has brought us in himself to the presence, which is what we want to talk about in a moment, to the presence. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God Unfortunately, King James uses the term for here, for us. It means on our behalf. Not, it, it has nothing to do, even in, its, uh, in a word search concerning the word for, as it is uh, a Greek word here that is translated in the English as for. But it do, what it does not mean, it does not mean that I'm one place and you're someplace, we're all someplace, and he's in another place, and he is in that place for us. Because we're not there, he's there for us. No, that isn't what it means. Not with any stretch of the imagination can that word be understood as being... Uh, he in one place, we in another. Because what it actually means on our behalf, it means that, uh, and I'm going to read that to you in a moment, but, but it means that he appears on our behalf because we are in him. You shall know I'm in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Now, darling, that's how he appears in the presence of the Father. That's how he is now come in the presence of the Father. He left that presence, but he didn't return empty. He didn't return empty. You see that a bunch of times in the scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, with regard to bringing, uh, presenting the firstborn, presenting of the firstborn, firstborn from among the dead. That's who Christ is. He is presenting himself as the firstborn. But you'll find throughout the Old Testament, they couldn't do that empty. Do not come empty, which means they had to have an offering that was typical of the firstborn which they presented. They couldn't come empty-handed. Empty -handed. Christ could not appear before the Father without presenting him the very thing that he left the presence and came to the earth to do, to bring before the Father the harvest of the seed, one seed. 
and hunteth one seed that dwells in us. He is not presenting the Father a bunch of seeds. He is presenting to the Father the increase of the one seed, the increase of Himself. And types and shadows show us that, which would take us all day and throughout the night to look at all of those types and shadows. But when I, when I read them and I realize that, what kind, that this is such a fulfillment of what the high priest and what the Levites and what Israel did every time they presented something to the Father on behalf particularly now when it was dealing with Israel bringing the firstborn, the firstborn, the firstborn. Who is Christ? He is the firstborn from among the dead. The firstborn from among the dead. The only begotten of God from among the dead. He is firstborn in the new creation in which we dwell because the seed of God being the firstborn out from among the dead, being the seed that fell into the ground and died and came forth bearing much fruit, hon. Oh my, this is the same Christ who dwells in us. This is the same Christ whose body we are. And this is the Christ and in the way that Christ presents you and I to be in the presence of the Father. We are there in Him, who, who Himself is the glory of the Father. Now, let me just, let me repeat this by reading something to you here that I have written down. We're talking about this relationship that I've just read in, 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 in chapter 9.24. And it's this relationship that Christ appears again, again, to the Father. To the Father. He who went out has now came in. Oh, what a glorious thing that is. Having finished the work, he presents the work to his Father. He presents himself on our behalf. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. It is not the appearing of many. It is the appearing of one in whom many have come to glory. It is not the appearing of seeds, but of the one seed that brought forth the harvest of himself. Now, hon, if we can get a hold of this, he appears only. And I've read this so many times. I keep it before me in these lessons. He appears only but not alone, not without us. He is seen of the Father. He is accepted of the Father. And we are accepted in the Beloved. He is the one appearing before God, 
but he appears in the presence of God representing in himself those who have been joined to him by his very own spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And if any man have not that spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Do you understand that, darling? But this is how and the way in which he presents us to his Father. What is this presence of God? Because he presents us. How did we read it a while ago? Yes, but appears in the presence of God for us. That's the same presence of God in whom we live. Yes, in whom we dwell. Why? Because He liveth and dwelleth in us. Sweetheart, the presence of God is not something that happens to us at meetings. And for so many years, so many have thought that that was it. Oh, I was very sure that was it. But you see, it's not wrong to have emotions. Even in a church service or in a, you know, fine. But the presence of God doesn't come and go. Why? Because the presence of God is not in and of itself a feeling. See, it wouldn't make it, it wouldn't make sense if that was for Christ is not entered in the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf, bringing us there in Him. How would that be a feeling that came and went? And See, that the presence of God, darling, I'm telling you, in and of itself, it's not a feeling. You, I can get happy about that. I can clap my hands about that. I can sing about that. But then I quit clapping and then I quit singing, but I don't leave the presence. I don't leave the presence. Emotions will pass away with this clay vessel. Any kind of emotions, because you can't tell me we just have happy emotions. Any kind of emotions, and all emotions will pass away with this clay vessel, but They'll never pass away. The presence will never pass away from our soul. And I want us to just look at that and think about it a minute because we've got it so closely attached to emotions we just can't take them apart. So we have to feel like that in our praying we just must work up some emotions, work up the presence of God. Then we can say, man, the 
presence of God was in that place last night. Only in you. Only in you would that have been so. Because there just there's only one place. There is only one place. That's the Father's house. And it's not a place like this building I'm sitting in. It's a divine union with the Father into which we are brought by the Son because the Son is the very person of it. The Son is, is what gives it express manifestation. The, the Son Himself who is the shining of the glory of God and the expressed image, the expressed person rather of His image. in the presence has, a, has brought us into the presence. The presence. It's not a feeling. It's not a location. Now, maybe I should have just read this. But I know there can be, there can be, well, there can be emotions. There can be some feeling concerning that reality in a natural area and and you can feel various sensations none of which are wrong huh if you want to if you want to get happy and laugh get happy and laugh and clap your hands if you want to shout shout i don't really care i'll shout with you i'm just trying to tell you that that comes and goes if that is based upon the reality of the presence, well and good. But the presence is not a feeling. It can't possibly be a feeling. Because feeling by definition comes and goes. It's a reality. It's a reality. The feeling is what, where, and who Christ has brought us into. The presence. The presence is where He now presents Himself to God on your behalf. It is you who have died with Him, now joined to Christ in God. Again, I am in the Father, you're in me, and I am in you. The presence of God, hun, is the reality of our whereabouts. It is the person, the place, and the reality of our life in Christ. Of our life in Christ. Now I, I will not tell you that our soul does not have senses. 
but we get them mixed up with bodily senses. Our soul is where the eyes of our, so it has eyes, it has sight. Eyes of our understanding are enlightened by the light of Christ within us. Do you, do you know, hon, that it is in our soul that we walk in the light as He, Christ, is in the light? If, if you take Christ out of everything I'm talking to you about here, if you take Christ out of it, if you make Him something less than the person of it, than the substance of it, if you take Christ out of it, honey, everything of our salvation disappears. And all we're left with is a bunch of emotions which, are, which respond in many cases to certain conditions or, or uh, certain uh, localities. So I'm not going to tell you that there's not any response to the presence of God in my soul. There is. There is. But it isn't depending upon the circumstances that are around me. It, it, isn't, it isn't depending upon, and it, it isn't depending upon outward emotions. Emotions that, are, that, are, that come and go. And, and, and that, that can really get, you know, brought forth in, a, in, a, in, in singing and in, and in all of that. And, but it's not wrong to have song services. It's not wrong to clap our hands. We enjoy that, my Lord, and sing gospel. So there's nothing wrong with that. There's probably everything right with it because we use that as a praise unto the Lord. But again, I'm telling you, that the presence of God is, the, we're standing in His presence whether we're in a building or not. We're standing in His presence whether we are physically joined together in one place or not. Why? Because we are standing in, in His presence in Christ Jesus when? Right now. Who now appears. He, he didn't come... See, he left once. He didn't leave again. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? He left that. He came that he might bring forth as a seed the increased harvest of himself. I'm in my Father. You're in me. See, there is, he, isn't, he isn't going to leave that again and come to earth so he can die again and all of that. No, he's done that once and for all and he has brought us in him into the Father's presence. Now, whether we have with the, with our, with the enlightenment of our soul whether we have by an enlightenment of our soul recognized the presence of God is one thing. 
Maybe we have, maybe we haven't. Maybe we have substituted outward feelings for an inward reality. You know as well as I do, darling, the outward feelings won't hold you in the time of need. You go up and down just like a yo-yo. In our emotions. One day we, everything is going good for us around us and, and whatever, and you know, we're in Christ. Next day, everything around us in this world is just falling apart. And in many cases, to some degree, maybe we've fallen apart with it or been greatly affected by it. But darling, we stand in His presence. This is why Paul, who preached, who preached to the church and to the body of Christ at a time, at a time of great turmoil, great persecution. I mean, sweet darling, the Jews were after Paul every day. You know that. You read his epistles, look at it all, if you understand what he's saying there. In one storm out of another storm. In one place, he's there in every case in Christ, and he stands there in Christ. And he says, well, yes, cast down by the Jews, all of that, not forsaken. Not forsaken. Not looking at that which appears, but that which cannot be seen. For that which can be seen is simply temporal. He counts everything going on around him. And that's the Jews coming after him. And those that are with him. As a temporal thing. What he has found is the eternal presence of God in the indwelling Son of God. And he says all of these things around him simply cause him and those that are with him to press in to the greater and the greater weight of glory because these things haven't got much weight to him, he says. They're light and only for a moment. But the greater weight of glory. When do you see the greater weight of glory, Paul? When we look not at the things that do appear, the things that I can see, but that that which the Spirit of God reveals inwardly. So here we stand. Here I sit in this jail. Here I sit here or wherever. Here I sit in the presence of the Most High God. And when people come to see Him, when people came to see Him, what did he talk to them about? How miserable the jail was? How miserable it was to be locked up in a house or how, go through all of that? No, he did not. He sat there and dealt with them concerning the reality of being in Christ. The reality of being in the Father's house. The reality of living in the presence of the Most High God in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And he, and he looked at all the rest of it as something that came about simply because of what he's doing. And he said that every now and then. If I was out here preaching circumcision, then they wouldn't be persecuting me at all. But I'm here preaching Christ and the cross. And so they put a mark of death upon us, but truly... Christ is the reality of our life. And we share life. And he's talking to the church when he tells them that so that he, he can point them to the same thing that we're sitting right here today. And you, wherever you're sitting, we're sitting right here and we're talking about this very reality that Paul wrote about in this letter to the Hebrews, huh? Right here. For Christ has not entered into the places that are made with hands, in the holy places made with hands and made by men, no. All of which, all of which are just figures. And that's where these folks that were chasing him around, they just represented the figures. They represented still the, the temple and and still all of the all of the altars there and the sacrifices there, which God simply was not pleased with before his son came, but, but they were a testimony of his son. But after his son came and presented himself as the fulfillment, fullness, completeness, and perfection of every sacrifice that had ever been given, that had ever been given, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. And yet he took them all into himself on the cross, honey. But these guys that are still doing that are chasing Paul around. Who's the one who then writes to them. Christ is not entered in to the places made with hands. to the holy places which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. The point was, whatever the conditions that surrounded the apostle Paul, whatever it was, whether he was, whether he was in the home of some believers and they were sitting there sharing the scripture and, and having just a tremendous time of fellowship, yeah, or whether he was out here facing death, or whether he was locked up somewhere, wherever. His whole joy, faith, and understanding was that he was there in the heavens, there in Christ. In the presence of God. Why? Because the very presence himself lived in Paul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hun, you can wake up in the middle of the night 
with the comprehension of that reality ringing in your soul. And you don't have to work it up. You recognize it. You recognize it. By the very senses of your soul. You hear him. Not with the outward ear, but with the inward ear. And you see him, for he enlightens the eyes of our understanding. He is made unto us wisdom. You might as well gather into that wisdom, understanding, knowledge, all gathered into that, as well as our very salvation, our very righteousness, our very sanctification, the sanctification of our soul. That isn't something that he's done to us. That isn't something that happened to me one night at an altar. I'm talking to you about who he is. And yes, before I upset somebody with that last statement, yes, I have been at an altar on my knees worshiping the Lord as a child. And yes, I have been born again. Darling, What we're talking about now is the salvation to which we have come. It is the one whose spirit was birthed in my soul. And where I was then, and how old I was then, doesn't make any difference. I could have been six years old, 16, 26, or 60. It didn't make any difference. Because the one who is from the beginning now lives in me. That's an understanding to which you and I should come, hon. I'm not challenging in that anybody's born again, but do you understand what that means? Do you understand who that is? Who that is? And I'm not telling you that there are not physical responses to many of the things that the Lord does. He heals our bodies. He does this, he does that. He, he does, huh? He did that when he walked on earth. But the greater work is not what he does, it's who he is. 
What He does, He will do, and continues to do. But most of that He continues to do for me and in me because I've got a body and I need it. But the greater work is who He is in me. Because that's the work, that finished work, that's the work that He completed, that's the work that brought me and you and brings us and keeps us in the very presence of the Most High God. How, I'm just saying to you, hon, how sad it is that because of being ignorant concerning that, of being told that nothing like that has come, it's all still in the future and one day we'll all go there. How sad that is to me. How sad. Because we have to make it look like some kind of a, you know, a playland in the heavens. Or I, I, and something that is, see, we, we have to, we have to get it in the imagination of our natural mind. And that's a shame. Because the reality of what I'm talking to you about is real right now while I'm sitting here on this stool. And I won't be here very long. I'll be gone out of this building. But I will not be gone out of His presence. In my opinion, this is why so many times when Christianity has been reduced to a religion, that's why it is so, in many cases, so hurtful, so, so dangerous. Because if it doesn't convince you that what you really need is Jesus added to your life so you can become more like Jesus and act better and probably give you a little book with ten things to do to be like Jesus. That's a shame. That's a shame. And then if I'm not telling you that, then they're telling about what I've already said. A futurism that leaves you waiting to be in His presence, leaves you waiting to go to glory. But both of these things, both of these misunderstandings, completely and totally contradict the finished work of the cross. First Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 3. 1 Corinthians 3 and 3, Paul says, Are you not yet carnal, behaving like mere men? I think there are many Christians right there, hon. Well, what then is glory?
what then is glory? Glory is dwelling in the presence. of the Father in the person of the Son because that's how you're there and it's the only way you can be there I'm the way the truth the life no man cometh where and, and, and we imagine all kind of things you know and, and call that heaven but that isn't what he says no man cometh to the Father and that's what we're talking about here. When we talk about the Father's house, we're talking about the Father. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You will know. That's the same chapter. You will know. I'm in my Father. Oh my. And if I'm in my Father, you're in me. And I... I am in you. Honey, there is not a greater definition of salvation than what I have just in these little weak words of mine than what I have just said. It is that reality that the Spirit of God in you in that reality that He will open our eyes if we have a heart that really wants to know. I'm not talking to you about an academic understanding of spiritual things. There is no such thing as an academic understanding of spiritual things that doesn't exist. The natural mind cannot come there. But the heart What I'm talking to you about now is not a teaching. It's not a teaching. We teach. All right, we teach. Well, we teach. We, we preach and we sing. But it's not a teaching. It's a union. It's a relationship. Eternally. It's life. It's Christ in you. Do you do you want to know Him or do you just want to know about Him? If you want to know Him, then it's the same thing as I want to put my arms around Him. I want to hold Him. I want to love Him. I want to know Him. It's deeper than wanting to understand the words that I'm using. It's, it's, it's deeper. 
than wanting to understand the theologies of it. It's a matter of the heart. Because I'm telling you, and Paul tells the Jews this, in his letters he writes, he writes to that. If there is, would be a turning of the heart, the heart simply turning from that which is without to the one who is within, the turning of the heart to know him. Not, not just know about him. Not just satisfy my academic curiosity. To the satisfaction of my heart. The glory of God... I'm right up out of time. And I want to tell you concerning the presence and the glory of God because it's Christ in you. Paul's prayers that we would Come to see Christ as He is with the eyes of our understanding till Christ be revealed in you. But see, the minute I say that, I know that there are many who hear that said and they, they think that perhaps I'm talking about Something added to our salvation. I'm not. I'm talking about finally looking with the eyes of our understanding and seeing our salvation. I'm talking about, I'm talking about seeing the salvation that you have. I'm, you're born again. All right. I'm talking about seeing the one who lives in you. I'm not talking about getting him there. I'm talking about looking at him. Looking at him with your heart being renewed in the spirit of our, of our very heart, in the spirit of our very mind, not in an academic, natural way. Not trying to see Jesus in the flesh, not trying to visualize the one who walked the shores of Galilee. His disciples were with him for three and a half years and still did not know him in the way that that he wanted to be known and told them that he, they would know him in that way by the spirit of truth for he will take that which is me and show it unto you and darling I'm telling you the same thing it's got to be a work of the spirit 
And the only thing I can tell you to do is just go in your heart before the Lord by His very indwelling Spirit and say, Father, show me your Son. Open my eyes. Hun, you're in the household of God. Christ is the light of that. Father, turn the light on in my very soul. Enlighten the eyes of my understanding. Paul talks about God hath shined in our heart. And he did that to give the light. But is that what we're looking for? Walking in the light as He is in the light. Honey, I'm talking to you about something that is spiritual. That is life. That is the Spirit working in you. Not just you trying to make it happen. That's, that, that would be like me trying to be like Jesus. Give me a book where I can read it in ten steps to doing it. See, that's right back into carnality. That's, that's what the Galatians did, only they went right, they went into the law. It's about my heart. How much do you really want to know the Lord? How much do you really want to let Him just Take over everything in your soul. Because it'll never be you understanding Him. Never. It will be, if it's anything, His understanding working by His Spirit in you. Brother, Brother Lumen, is that real? Oh my Lord, yes. It's the only thing that is real. It's not me trying to make it happen. But just giving up my heart. Coming right to where Moses said, he said, if, except your presence be with us. Don't let us move a foot. Don't let us move a mile. How really badly do you want to see the Lord? Because it isn't going to come by you trying to make it happen. Christ in you. Blessed be His precious name. Appearing for us in the presence of of the Father and shining there as the glory of the Father dwelling in you and I who dwell in Him. Hallelujah. Lord, give us a heart. Just touch our heart. To see the Son. To know the Son. Why? 
because everything of our salvation is bound up in that Son. He, he's the fullness of all of it. Let our hearts want to know Him, not about Him. Want to know Him. To know Him in an inward way. That it become an experiential thing. And yes, that the very senses of our soul come alive to the reality of this indwelling one. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, I pray. Thank you for it. Blessed be your holy name. Amen.